Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. I'm Ed Rudisseau, and we are talking wine today. I've already had a, a few uh, samples myself walking around, but um, we have Baptiste Grandjean. Yes. Is, is that, is that, did I get All right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm notorious for mispronouncing French on the show, man. It's not easy. I agree. It's not. Um, you, we were just talking a little Guns N' Roses before we got rolling here, and you, you asked if you could uh, sing to the mic like Axel. I'll tell you, so I have the red hair. When I was young, I literally grew. I wore my hair long for about ten years, specifically because of Axel. You know, I used to have long hair before. But Did you? No, no. Yeah, well, we got <laughs> old, right? Anymore. Started yeah. losing it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we're talking a little bit about wine today, and we don't have Arthur with us, and so, um, you know, I, I wanted to kind of learn a little bit about what you do because um, you're in one of the more interesting areas of France and uh, making some really sexy wine. Sorry, my voice is still recovering from a tonsillectomy, and so I'm. <laughs> I'm still trying to learn how to use it in the right way. But, I mean, tell me a little bit about yourself, Baptiste. Yeah, so uh, Christia is my family estate that my grandfather created after the war in the 50s, you know. So it was, um, at this time, a very uh, small size, only two hectares, like about five acres oh, wow. in America, so very yeah. small. And he used to bring the grapes to the cooperatives, and my dad joined him in 63. They built their own cellars, started to make the wine, but used to sell the wine in bulk to big names like Gigal, Jaboulet, or Chapoutier. And when I joined the domain in 99 with my sister and later my brother, we decided to sell the wine under our own label you know so Christia is not my family name it's the name of the location in Chateau du Pape where are growing most of our vines so know? how did you get involved in the industry I mean you obviously you grew up doing that but it was this always the I, I, always yeah. the dream for sure we could say I was born in a tank you know <laughs> but to be very honest uh, I didn't I didn't drink alcohol and wine until I was uh, 19 which, oh God, is, which, is late, <laughs> which is late in France you know not in America right sure and, yeah. uh, but at the really beginning I, I joined my dad and I say, okay, I'm going to work with you a few years just to help you, but I'm going to build my own business. So I jump to something else. And um, What did you do? It, it was it was 20 years ago. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I'm still there, you know. Oh, it's been 20 years. Yeah. What yeah. was your plan? What were you going to do? Oh, I have a tons of ideas, like music, by example, you know, but uh, for sure it was easier to work on the family estate. So we, we took over with my sister and brother and we work a lot. And now we work on the almost 50 hectares and uh, we do something like 25,000 case, so which is... Wow, not man. big, not small, you know, good size. And we sell uh, 90% of the wine abroad, you know. Oh, wow, that's a and, lot. Of and 40% in America, you know, in the United States. So I think a lot of our listeners have seen um, Chateauneuf de Pas on the, the, the shelves and, and don't really kind of understand what that means, what it's all about, like as a general, like not necessarily the Christian, but like as far as um, what that brings to the table, like what the geography, the terroir of that area really is. Because... You know, obviously, we're in an environment where wine's definitely getting um, a lot more attention and people are becoming less afraid to go to the bottle shop and ask the questions. Um, but it can still be quite intimidating. Yeah, actually, Chateauneuf-du-Pape is a small village of 2,000 people. So it's a very small area, a small place. 2,000 people. 2,000 people wow. living there. But the appellation is 3,000 hectares, so almost uh, 7,000 acres. So we are almost 200 different producers, and uh, each producer makes three, four, five different Chateauneuf. So you have, two, well, so you can me, find you have 200 producers and 2,000 people, so 10% of the people living there if you take the <laughs> If you take the family, that's everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Everybody's involved somehow. <laughs> and uh, like every producer has a different label, you can find maybe 
1,000 different labels of Chateau Neuf-du-Pape in the market. So I understand it's not easy to understand what it is. For sure, the base is the appellation. Chateau Neuf-du-Pape is a very good quality of soil, a mix of clay and sand, uh, where the main grapes is a Grenache. And uh, this soil, these grapes allow us to make some very um, rich but elegant wine. You know, that's the key of Chateau Neuf-du-Pape. Rich wine, good level of alcohol, good keeping capacity, but almost very drinkable when they are young and very gentle wine, you know? Yeah. So when you uh, you said that traditionally this wine was not being bottled under the your, the, the Christia label, that, that that's something that you implemented. Yeah. If you look at the map of Chateau Neuf du Pape, maybe I should bring you one next time. Uh, <laughs> you will see maybe something like 200 different small places, you know, and a lot of big name, very famous, uh, use the name from the place where are located most of their vines. Okay. So what can one expect from a bottle of, from the region versus what they can expect from, from Christia? Because there's, you have to differentiate yourself amongst 199 competitors or, or, you know, at least other producers, maybe not so competitive, but... For sure, there will be um, a common base, you know, so you have the style of the Grenache, which is the main thing, like a lot of fruit, uh, fruit forward, little jammy, you know. But when you go with the Christia wines, you have a kind of... Um, little earthiness, but a lot of people say of my wine, they are sexy. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I just said the same thing over there because they did. They hit my mid palate and back palate just really amazingly. I think that's kind of a turning point for a lot of people when you have a wine that you feel like, man, this is, this is actually kind of sexy. Yeah, yeah. There is a kind of sweetness, but it's not sweet. It's absolutely dry. But the balance, the ripeness makes the wine very rich and full in the mouth, you know, so... So how much of an impact is the um, actual like terrain that you grow on? Because we, very often on the show, we have spirits producers here. And so a lot of kind of that, that terroir that we talk about uh, in Martinique with rum, a lot of that's lost in the distillation process. So, you know, but you're a winemaker, so everything, everything goes into that. Your climate, your weather, all of that. So, I mean, what, what is that kind of terrain are you growing in? I mean, and how much is that coming through in, in your grapes? For sure, there is a lot of things you have to uh, take care of. The soil, the climate, the different grapes you can use, the age of the vines is very important, the ripeness, the, the, the time of picking, you know, and, uh, and the way you vinify, like stemming or vinify with whole cluster has a big influence on the side of the wine. But to be very simple, I would say that 95% of the quality and the side of the wine is in the grapes. As a winemaker, the influence is not as big as a cooker, you know, as a chef, you know, right, yeah. just you see, you touch and it's done, you know. <laughs> right. And that's something that we've talked about a couple of times before, too, is that like, uh, you know, it depends on how you kind of define terroir. And I think the winemaker is, is a component of that terroir. You know, you can't only speak about the climate, the geography, the, the earth. I mean, what you're doing with it and, and what the you know, gentleman next to you is doing with it could be completely different things. You know, you have a lot of good friends in um, Paso Robles in mm -hmm. California, sure. and they use uh, Rhone varietal grapes, you know, like Grenache, Sierra Mauverde. And when they come in France and they try our wine, they say, oh my God, how can you do that? And I, went, <laughs> and I say, that's, the, that's where we are, and that's what we do. But when I go in California and I try the wine, I say, oh my God, how can you do that? You know? <laughs> so, something you can catch. You well, know? one thing that you mentioned in passing just a moment ago is like kind of the... Uh, the age of the vines. You have some really old vines um, in one of the wines that I tried. Yeah. One of the sexier wines that I tried. Yeah, absolutely. We, so, are, we have two special cuvées. The one you're gonna, you just tried is the Vieille Vigne. It's 95 years old vines on Grenache. But we have another cuvée uh, which is made with a plot which is 
more than 110 years old, 110. Wow. It was planted in 1908. Wow. You know? So very, very old vines, very small yield, small berries, good, good concentration, good sexiness. So is that what the, the, an older vine brings to the table? Is that you kind of get uh, less yield out of it, but more concentration? Yeah. Because I see that a lot in marketing, right? When we go to a bottle shop, oftentimes we see like old vine or, you know, and or the, on the back label it mentions how old the vines are, but I think that can be confusing for a lot of people out there that aren't. Yeah, actually there is no official rules, but sure. we say old vines in France from 60 years. Okay. Before 60, it's not old. Yeah, really. <laughs> like us. <laughs> well, good. I, I, let's stick with that as far as humans are concerned, because I'm, I'm edging up on that, you know. And by the way, when the vines is more than 100, sometimes you say, no need to keep doing it. You have to, one day you have to decide to or we say put out yeah, and replant. Sure. Yeah. But uh, my plots, which is a 95 or 110, they are in good shape. They are very healthy, not big yield, but um, good quality, no disease. So why not to keep, you know? Yeah, it's it's quite amazing how, of course, in the United States here, uh, what we consider old and what you consider old. Uh, you, you have thousands of years of history. In fact, the Appalachian, I mean, uh, Chateauneuf de Pop is what, uh, like, what's the direct translation of that? I mean, it's, it was like an old, like home of the Pope, right? 800 years ago? Chateauneuf means Newcastle, you know? Okay. That's funny. And it was built in the 14th, 14th century, in 13, 13th something. <laughs> Again, there, that, that drives my point home. In the 14th century, nothing was happening here other than the Native yeah, Americans. And, and you know that the Spanish brought some vines in California in uh, much before we plant some uh, in some part of France, you know? So... You have a good history in, with, with the vineyards in California as well. Impossible Rubbles. That's right. They've got way more history over there. But once you started kind of bottling your own label, that's when you have to put your own stamp on that wine. Uh, and so you said 1999? 1999, yeah. So you're 20 years in? Yeah, it so. was 20 years ago. But uh, a story I don't like to tell, but I tell to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I have to tell don't it. Don't worry, we won't tell anyone else. <laughs> my, my first vintage in 1999 was totally corked, you know. It was my first release, and I worked with a not very good factory, you know. And we, we get some bad cork, and after six months, we realized that all the production was... Uh, all of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, one bottle on four was terrible. So when you open Jeez. everything, you blend everything, it could be acceptable, but... Uh, yeah, so, 25% chance of getting a good yeah, bottle. Yeah, and I started the first year in America with uh, something like 1,000 Ks in America with a good distributor. And it was a shame because we have to resend the wine overseas, you know? Oh, shit. In Europe. You know, it was terrible. So I said to the people recent, first vintage you can find in the market, which is good, it's 2,000 from Christia. Don't buy any 99. <laughs> I, I kind of want to hunt down a 99 now. <laughs> you know? Do you have any left? Like, yeah, I have a few, but... Um, but you don't know which ones they are. No, you yeah. haven't opened them yet. We keep for the story. <laughs> right, yeah, for the story. But but everything got worked out in 2000. You got different... Uh, yeah, and from 2000, we had very good success. And what is what is good in our region that you don't have a bad vintage. You have big vintage, you have normal vintage, except 2002, but otherwise, the last 20 years were very good wine, you know, so... That's well, interesting that you bring that up because this doesn't necessarily apply directly to what you're doing. But um, I mean, that's something that you have to take into consideration when you're a winemaker is where you're getting your cork. Now I, th I know everybody's trying to figure out a way around that danger, getting 75% of your batch corked. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's what there's the stealth enclosures, the screw caps, um, you know, synthetic cork and, and different things. There's always people trying to invent different methods of closing the wine. I mean. Uh, you know, where do you see that going? I mean, again, in old world wines like where you are, there's so much tradition. It feels very strange with a synthetic cork. 
I'm totally open to the how do you say in English screw cap. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing against, but when I tried to put this kind of uh, screw cap on my entry level wines like Vin de Pays or Duron, yeah. all my customers said, no, 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 you're French. And right away we are right. organic. We are organic certified. So for my customers in Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Canada, or France, say, you are French, you are organic, you can't use a screw cap. That's and I say, why not? Why not? And so we have to keep the, the, the cork now. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that is very much like tradition versus, you know, utility. Yeah, absolutely. But we, we work with our partner, our supplier of cork, to guarantee that we have no cork issue now with the expensive bottle. Everything which is above 50 bucks, we, we can guarantee 100% there is no cork issue because all the cork are selected one by one. They smell it one by one, you know? Wow. That's, Big work, expensive cork, but I can guarantee you everything above 50 bucks, you will never get. If you get one, you send me back home and I will send you, <laughs> right, I will you. Send you a case. I've got your address now. <laughs> I, I think it was uh, Anthony Bourdain that said um, the only difference between a, a bottle of wine with a uh, cork and a bottle of wine with a screw cap, that if you go to dinner with your date, uh, and you order the bottle of wine with a screw cap, you're not going back home with your date. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, and it may be unfortunately a little true because there is that perception, you know, um, but uh, but there's also a, the difference of, um, you know, kind of the breathability over the years of your wine. And so you're 20 years in, um, how is some of your wine kind of holding up at the, from the stuff you have and how does age kind of affect your wine? Because that's one thing a lot of people don't understand is that not all wine is meant to be drank immediately, you know? Yeah, yeah, but you know, I think in America you say the wine is, uh, uh, when people ask me, oh, how long can I keep the wine? And then they drink the wine in the car, you know? Exactly, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And like nobody's aging wine. You know? I mean, most yeah. most wine in the world is meant you, to be drank immediately. You must have a, a nice cellar with a, right. um, a constant temperature, you know, which is not easy. Even me, I don't. I, I, for Chateau Neuf du Pape, you can keep the wine 20, 25 years easy. By, sure. by example, we try some 2000, 2001, 2003 now, and they are still very good, you know. But to be very honest, on my wines, especially on my wines, the optimum is seven, eight years. Okay. You don't need to wait more. After bottling. Yeah, after the bottling. Okay. Uh, no, after uh, after the vintage. Okay, after the by vintage. By example, today uh, we are drinking 2016, which was bottling, uh, bottled a few months ago. So you can you should drink it until 2024, you know. You can wait much more. But I, I don't, don't have that much patience. Yeah, <laughs> neither do I. You know, <laughs> so I don't, you don't need to wait too much. You know, you don't you don't win. The other day we have tried a 54 Chateau Neuf du Pape, which was still decent. You know, it was not good, but it was clean. But why wait 50 years? It's <laughs> right. Funny. I mean, but, it's an interesting experiment, but most of us don't have the the means to be able to do something like that. Yeah, that's what's interesting that wine can hold 50 years. Right. But. Yeah, right. So you're yeah. like, okay, interesting, check mark. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> <laughs> right. Where's the notes? It's, it's uh, interesting. And so that, that the region where you're at, if you could explain to our listeners, because you know, we don't have visuals here, but if you can explain where exactly you are in France, where, where that location is, because I think most Americans have, uh, you, you will know where Paris is. But if I start shouting like Alsace, I think, you know, maybe Burgundy or Bordeaux. But if we talk about uh, your, your area. Southern Rhone Valley um, is southeast of France. So if you can see Lyon or Marseille, we are just in the middle. Actually, we are just between Italy and Spain in the south of France. Where we live, it's uh, the highway separate to go west or east, you know, that's interesting. So you see the southeast of France, you see Marseille, close to the water, the Mediterranean Sea, we are around there, you know. Okay, right, and how does that impact your fruit? 
we have something very important. We have a Mediterranean climate, so right. we can have some cold winter, but it's pretty okay, and very warm summer. But we have the wind, which is called the Mistral, uh -huh. and that's a very healthy, very healthy because it allows us to have uh, new fresh air every three days. You know, the, oh, wi wow. the wind uh, blow. I would say yes, uh, yeah. every three days, one day every three days. So, you know, so one third of time we have wind in our region. It's not a problem for me, you know, but... Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, Hair's so not blowing everywhere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but so you can have a lot of dust, blah, 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 but otherwise for the vines, it allows you to have very healthy condition, you know, because no wet, no fog, always dry and clean, you know? I mean, we, we have to touch on it because we talked about it a lot before, before we, you know, <laughs> end up uh, running out of time. But we, 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 we promised we had to talk about some music. You just you just saw Slash recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're like a big uh, Guns N' Roses fan, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I've been watching them seven times in concert, you know? That's insane. Seven yeah. times. Yeah. Like, going back to the original, like, releases or after they kind of got back together? Yeah. Because you would have been... For the, for the last two years, you know? So, so the, you would have the... been, you, you been quite young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a big fan. You're, you're the same age as I am. I, yeah. <laughs> so. so I was a big fan in '91. You know. So I was 12. I was born in '79. Right. You know. So I was. Oh, a you're a little younger than I am. All right. All right. <laughs> I was a big fan in '91, '92. Then they split. So during 15 years, I forgot. I listened to music, but don't care about the band. Well, and Axel was working on his album for the, those 15 years. <laughs> you know, it took him all. Yeah, for Chinese democracy, <laughs> yeah, he spent 15 right. years. You know something interesting? I've been watching um, uh, Bruce Springsteen in concert in Montpellier, in France. Yeah. Uh, five years ago, we were 15,000 people in the room. The day after the Guns N' Roses were playing, there were 3,000 people in the room, and I was not there because there was not Slash. So for me, it was not <laughs> right. it was not the real. Three years ago, when the re reunion reform for Coachella Festival in uh, California, mm -hmm. yes. then they have moved to Vegas, and we have been to Vegas to watch them. So oh, you know, nice! So, so you have seen Guns N' Roses reunion after 20 years of splitting in Vegas. It was my best experience in the life. Wow! You know? I see. I haven't seen any of the reunion shows because for me, like with no Izzy Stradlin, there's no GNR. Because I mean, he was the prime songwriter yeah. of course he was out pretty early but you, you I mean maybe you, you probably realize this because you're a big fan yeah but you, ask him to come back this is the home of, no. of Izzy and Axel yeah, yeah. like here you, I mean it, they just grew up what, what about an hour north of here here in uh, Indiana yeah oh, yeah, yeah yeah in fact Izzy still lives here um, he moved back to Indiana after he bailed when he stopped using heroin and everyone else didn't but uh, I mean without him you know I mean he did uh it, yeah, but if uh, Axel, Duff, and Slash, you have the, a good trio, a good base, or whatever. It really is, man. And we were—it's funny you say that because we were just talking about Duff yesterday. Yeah. Uh, about like how great his writing is. He does a lot of writing in Seattle now, and uh -huh. and like he went back to college and all that. Thought how how weird that would be to be sitting in a college class in the '90s. Oh, really? And, like next day, like that, yeah. hey. Uh, Hey, didn't you uh, play bass with Guns N' Roses? Yeah, <laughs> a very surreal moment. So, yeah, because I, I, I'm wearing my Iron Maiden shirt as, as per usual, and I've gotten to see them several times, not, not as many times in the, when I was young as I would have wished. I mean, like I said, they were a huge influence on me when I was... Yeah, yeah. You said, you want to see that Appetite for Destruction came out in, what, 86, I think? Probably, so I would have been 10. Yeah, that really? was huge for me. That was why I grew my hair long. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I said in the beginning, yeah, I grew my hair long. I wanted to look like Axel, wear the headband, long red hair. Of course, it took three years to grow it. <laughs> I can find some pictures. I, I look like much more. I used to look like uh, Kurt Cobain, much more than Axel yeah, Rose. You know, right, right. <laughs> we well, were a little younger, you know, that that the grunge era hit in the yeah. '90s. 
Uh, you know, people, it's, and that's a, that's a winemaker look anyway. Yeah, yeah, you know? no, what do you say? Wine, rock and roll, what else? The same thing, right, yeah. I mean, has that gotten you any, like, cool uh, introductions being in the wine world? Like, a little, sometimes that happens, yeah. you know, that's real cool. Yeah, and you know, there is a lot of partnership between uh, stars, Hollywood stars, uh, singers, or uh, actors, and uh, wine winemakers in France, you know, so maybe it could be one of my next step to, yeah, you just sneak to in. make a, a joint venture or something like that or make you a label with doing a, you would be open to doing a joint venture yeah yeah I would love I would love to do something like that uh, we need to find the good people you know right I think that's the trick because a lot of people I've talked to on the show they would are very much opposed to doing that because it's oftentimes just you know hey I want to make some money here's my name put it on your label and obviously that's that's anathema to what you're trying to accomplish You know uh, Gérard Bertrand in France? He's yes. a very famous uh, producer in Southwest. He's doing a joint venture with Bon Jovi. Really? Yeah, with uh, the son of uh, John Bon Jovi. So Jesse, I guess. Jesse Bon Jovi, something like that. Not sure to remember. And uh, they made a partnership, you know, on a, on a label, on a rosé label, you know. So, and Bon Jovi was one of my favorite bands as well when I was, was young. Was it really? Yeah, you know, so. You know this is like going out to the public, right? Do you really want to admit that? I'm, it's okay. I'm, you know, it's up to you. So <laughs> I, I don't know if it helps on the market if you have uh, you have the label signed by the, the star, maybe. Yeah. I think it helps, you know. It, 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 well, it certainly helps with marketing, yeah. And because, you know, obviously... We aren't representative of the entire wine market. You know, we're probably a very small kind of subsection that, that do this for a living. But a lot of people just, you know, kind of grab what they're going to. I mean, speaking of that, you said a lot of your wine is exported to the United States. Well, not to the United States, but it's exported in general. So very, very little of it sold in, in France? Or, it, um, or is that even just staying in your cellar? Chateauneuf du Pape has always a culture of uh, selling abroad. It starts with the English people, you know, with the uh, British, and then uh, American, of course. It's uh, we, we produce 12 million bottles in Chateauneuf du Pape, so it's not a lot, but not a small quantities as sure, well. Sure, yeah. Uh, Especially considering the, 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 the size of the Appalachian. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, when you see the price of the wine, it can be a uh, uh, drink only for, by French, you know. So, <laughs> right. And the good part of the job, you know, but I love working in the vines, I love making the wine, I love working in my office as well, but I love traveling, you know, and that's, um, I thank God, you know, to be able to sell the wine abroad because we go in Denmark, we go in Sweden, we go in Norway, we go in Canada, we go uh, in the Midwest, in the Middle East now, they start to drink wine there, and it's uh, very interesting for us as winemakers because you can travel, you can meet people, and you can get a lot of, um, you can learn a lot from people abroad, you know. Sure. And you have, help you to have open eyes and open mind, you know. Yeah, where's the, one of the more interesting places you've, you've traveled to recently? For sure, it's America. Yeah. For many reasons, yeah. because when I see um, American winemakers on the West Coast, uh, it really helps because they are very interesting. But by the way, uh, the American mentality, I mean, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, whatever, everything is good to take in America, you know, and uh, I get inspiration from your country every time I come here, you know? Yeah, it's wild because we are such a large, like geographically large country. They're, they're yeah, for sure. But regional you, differences. You all have the same uh, positive attitude, the same <laughs> energy, you know? So when I go back in France, my wife say, she told me, be quiet, be quiet, please. <laughs> right. Because yeah. you jump like a kangaroo, you know, because I come back very, uh, I, I, I feed myself with um, with you guys in America, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to ask if your wife told you to like, come on, quiet down, quiet down. You've been with yeah, the Americans I, too much. I, I, my too wife, loud. she came with me uh, for the first time in New York in January and she told me, oh my God, New York, 
Yeah, New you know. York's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's a concrete jungle, you know. <laughs> and there's so much to do. I mean, yeah, you can live your sure. life in one neighborhood and still not yeah. get bored. But you have so much to do everywhere. You go, you go in the Midwest. You go in Texas. You go in the Stackhouse. You can listen to country music. You can go on the West Coast. You have the Yosemite, um, Yosemite Park. You know, you have tons of things to do in your country. So that's <laughs> my wife. My life would be too short to be able to do everything I want to do. You know. That's so funny because I mean we all sit around dreaming of just uh, you know being in France and you yeah. know but you know I, 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 I agree with you um, you know my wife's Thai so I occasionally get to see the world and, and the country through her eyes of like well I haven't seen this place of course I'm always like hey let's go to Thailand she's like nah I live there I don't want to go there go somewhere different yeah it's probably different mentalities you know but you are more than welcome to come in France oh I will we, yeah. uh, be careful the last French guest that invited us we took him up on it. <laughs> we actually went uh, to Alsace a couple years ago for the wine fair. So he lovely. said, hey, why don't you come to uh, Komar? We're like, done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, stay with him in Beblenheim a little bit. And so now your next step is the Palace of Pope in, in Avignon? <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're going to head in that direction. So, um, you, you know, as how widely available is your wine? You're working with Vanguard Wines um, here in the United States. And, and Vanguard is... Um, they're an importer that we absolutely love uh, because there's not really any filler in the portfolio. And that's why one of the reasons I really wanted to talk with you because I haven't had a chance to meet you in prior years. No, I'm very proud to, to work with Vanguard. We are selling wine on the three states, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, and Indiana. And I am very impressed with the quality of the work and the organization of the tasting today. And, uh, yeah, and we're sitting and in the middle of a room yeah. like full of some of the world's best wine. It's just wild. Yeah, there's maybe more than 100 people trying wine, you know, and from uh, everywhere in the world. You know, that's very interesting even for me to try some wine from Spain and Italy, but I have to come in America to try that, you know? <laughs> also, good point. And uh, yeah. Vanguard has a wonderful portfolio with a lot of good wine. It's good value, you know, so that's uh, that's lovely. Um, I work, I sell my wine in 24 states, you know. Okay. So my goal is to reach the 50 states. Sure, yeah. Even if Hawaii or Alaska can be complicated to... Hawaii is... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can There's, try. I can go in holidays and see if I can open no a market. No ulterior motive, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Oh, Need to do a market it. visit in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will bring my wife and my kids. <laughs> but right. uh, we sell wine in Texas, in New York, in California, of course. But uh, a lot of states in the Midwest, like uh, Missouri, Colorado, Arizona, Oklahoma, that's uh, Kansas. It's very interesting because everybody thinks that uh, only San Francisco and New York drink wine, but it's, it's absolutely wrong. And when we come exactly. in, the, in the Midwest, uh, there is a lot to do because people is open to uh, discover the wine from Europe, you know, so that's a, a lovely playground for me here, you know? It is kind of a playground. We talked about that a little bit earlier, but you know, I mean, we're right in the heart of bourbon country, so we're going to dinner tonight and uh, there's plenty of bourbon on the shelf. And yeah, we talked a little bit about agave and tequila, mezcal, so there's... And you told me you have 130 labels of rum? Uh, we do, yeah, at our so tiki we bar. We won't be able yeah. to try everything no, no. tonight, but maybe I should stay one week. <laughs> uh, you know, only one ounce each, you know, you can do 138 ounces. <laughs> maybe not. What is an ounce? <laughs> yeah, know. right, well, pl plenty. <laughs> yeah. uh, a bottle of 750 milliliters here in the U.S., so that's 25 ounces. So how many bottles can you consume? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will have Although, to leave. <laughs> I, I've recently found out my limit. It's two, <laughs> you know, as far as hard liquor. So what's next for you? I mean, you're only 20 years in. That, that's really young, particularly for an old world uh, winemaker. So, I mean, you're not calling yourself old. 
But ah. theory, I still have 25 years to work, you know, so I hope so. Uh, we keep doing this way. We have a lot of projects. We have really expanded the size of the estate. So maybe now we make a kind of stop on the size of the domain because we also have a negoce activity. So we can purchase grapes, purchase juice. Uh, we are building a new facility. So, so you're, you're selling or you're buying the juice? You are buying. Oh, okay, are buying. buying, buying. Yeah, we're buying grapes, we're buying juice. Because we don't, we are fed up with buying right. lands. You know? Right, sure. Land is very expensive. There's only you know, so, so much land. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so we make uh, some lovely whites or lovely rosé that we purchase the grapes. You know, oh, we cool. only vinify. You know, uh, but for the Chateau du Pape, we are all owners of the of the lands of our lands. Uh, we are building a new facility because uh, the one we have now is easy, comfortable, but not very pretty. And so the new one will be located in the middle of the vines, you know, so it will be much more interesting to welcome people. And uh, I have a couple of projects, like uh, open a restaurant, a restaurant in two or three years You're in Chasson Hip Hop. Don't do it, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> When I see the success of restaurants in America, I want to bring the methods in Europe, but it's, I think it's not as profitable in Europe as in America, sure. the way you work, you know, because... Well, it's, it's interesting that you said even like the, the visitors uh, are a place for visitors because That's one of the big differences. Like when I've, I've found that I've traveled through uh, Italy and France, you know, we have to call you and say, hey, we would like to come taste with you. Uh, where, you know, obviously you go through Napa, you just kind of <laughs> stop everywhere along the road and you can kind of yeah. get tasting. And so it's really interesting. But I, in I, Napa, the tasting is not free. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> uh, but I mean, there's, that's one of the kind of, I think, charming aspects, I think, that I've had. Uh, one of the, some of the special moments I've had tasting in France is just kind of, particularly in Alsace, You know, um, dropping by, you know, Domain Weinbach and being able to try and, and, you know, an old monastery or I guess it was a something, I, I, maybe the nuns live there. But, you know, those, those kind of like special appointment tastings are, are pretty special to be able to sit and, and taste with the winemaker. But you're traveling all over and you're a very small operation. I don't know how you do it. I, I hear that a lot that people don't know how I do so many things, but you're traveling, you're doing sales, distribution, you're actually making the wine, you know. I mean, how are you keeping up? Yeah, I'm, I'm 40. I'm still full of energy, you know. <laughs> right. But, no, no, it's uh, a lot of winemakers in Chateauneuf and in France generally are doing the same, you know, because you can sleep. You can, right. you can wait, you know. Yes, you have to, to go on the, to be always on the run, you know. That's the way it is. Like American influence, for sure. Yeah, and you're particular. I mean, especially if you're selling in so many countries. I'm curious, you mentioned about uh, selling in the Middle East, um, selling wine in the Middle East, and that's... A part of the uh, world that I've never had an opportunity to travel to at this point. My, my best uh, example is Israel, you know. Okay. Uh, so I don't know if it's Middle East or cl uh, Close East. I don't know if you say in English. Similar area. Uh, but because we also do some kosher wine, you know. So for the last two years, we have vinified with some rabbi. And uh, so we sell a lot of uh, kosher wine in Israel, also in the rest of the world. So in some uh, like Pol Poland, Ukraine, they, they bring a lot. But yeah, Israel is a good, a good market. We sell wine in Morocco. We sell wine in Malta, Ukraine, uh, Emirates. So it's a Yeah, I had to think about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just say it, United Arab Emirates, yes. Yeah, yeah. And also in Asia, of course. Asia, we sell a lot in China, Japan, Hong Kong, Singapore, Thailand we start, yeah. Vietnam a little bit. So interesting markets. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the wine culture in Southeast Asia has definitely a little bit, a little bit slower to grow. It's yeah, so yeah. hot. I mean, you know, it's yeah. not what you crave. But I, I've, I know that China is a, a large growing market. And so you said, you know, you've got you know, only limited amount of land and you're, you're now purchasing, uh, you know, juice uh, from Negocion, you know, is that one of the reasons why? Because of growing markets like China and... Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, 
Uh, every day we say if each Chinese drink one glass of wine every day, we are all rich. We yeah, are we'll be right. all, all millionaires, you know, <laughs> which is not the case already. And there is a big, big concurrence with uh, the rest of the producers of the world, you know. My example, I heard that uh, in Australia, the state of Australia pay for the, the tax in China to help the producers to sell wine in China. Wow, So it's really? complicated concurrence for us, you know. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So how big, how many people work for you? I mean, you you're, you're pointing at yourself. Is it you? No. Yeah, we, we are. We are. <laughs> do ten you do everything? <laughs> no, I mean, we are ten of us. You know, ten. Yeah, yeah. Because we have five people full time in the vines, plus more or less five in the office in the cellar. You know, that's but, a, that's but, insane to me that you're doing all of that work with ten people. I can't get through one night of making food and drink with less than twenty-five people, and you have ten running a worldwide operation. You know, out of out of, out of your uh, small winery. Yeah, yeah, for sure it's small, but um, we are open to the world. And people like our wines, you know, so it helps a lot. Well, they are beautiful. Um, and I'm sure they're available online uh, to purchase in the United States. So, I mean, so it's Domaine de Christia. Um, and you are, we've got Baptiste Grandjean. I, again, I'm going to mess up your last name. Baptiste Grandjean. Grandjean. See, I, I really, I've said it so many times in the show, I've got to learn French. So um, what's next? You, you've got another show here in the United States. Um, tomorrow we go in uh, Kentucky, and uh, the next days I will be in Charlotte in North Carolina. You're going to be in Kentucky tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to try some bourbon. You're going to have yeah, a hard yeah. time. You're gonna, you, I, I think so. the following day is going to be rough. Actually, I came already uh, three years ago, you know, and I had a lot. So tomorrow I need to experience more. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It yeah, really yeah absolutely. Is. And you're going to be in Louisville, right? And uh, I definitely have to come for the derby, you know, because everybody talks about the derby in Kentucky. So now it's kind of dream for me. However, it's very expensive, but I will find a way to, to come back Let in me a few know. years. Well, we'll go together. I've not ever been, and oh, really? I, every year I say I'm going to. So You have the good connection because you, you said you that. Let me know, uh, and we'll go. I, I, I'm close enough. I can get us, you know, the tickets. So. Okay, so yeah. we take a rendezvous for in two years? <laughs> yeah, I can. that's about as close as I can plan anything. So, Well, excellent. So where can people find you online? Um, your website? You, we, we, we um, talked about that a little earlier that your brother and sister want to update, but uh, not quite yet. Actually, uh, we have a good network in America, so you can find our wines in uh, most of main states. Okay? okay. Online, we are uh, distributed by a, a few websites. I can't really say the name because uh, sure. I can't. Oh, so all the different importers or, yeah. or distributors all but have different uh, information. If there. you go on Wine Searcher, you will see a different way of okay. getting my wine. Great. Because I don't have in my mind sure, of course. My head, everything. You of know, course. So. But does the winery itself have a website? Yeah, yeah, of course. We don't sell online from the winery, right, right. but you have the link, everything. But well, you've to, got to, information about yeah, the wines. Absolutely. What's the web address for the winery? Christia.com. Just Christia.com? Yeah, very easy. That is easy. Yeah, yeah. You got lucky on that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody ever gets that lucky. No, no, I registered the name very early, you know? Yeah, well, I guess so, right? In 1999, <laughs> before the <laughs> no, dot-com boom? Maybe in 2003, something like that. Okay, all right. Not quite that early then. So before we wrap up today, I always would like to ask everybody, um, you know, especially at a show like this when we're all tasting wine, it's helpful to know if there are any uh, hangover cures that you might have come across in your 20 years of winemaking. <laughs> any, any, any particular cures you have to get rid of the hangover? No, it's not allowed in France. <laughs> <laughs> no, no hangovers no, are allowed in France. No, no, no. no. We, 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 try to, we try it. to be careful, you know. 
Uh, I'm 40, so I'm young, but not so much. Sure, <laughs> you know, so yeah. You're in the age care. where it gets a lot uh, harder. It's very dangerous to come in America because there are so many things, very good good things to try, especially the cocktail, you know. Uh, I'm a big fan of margarita and tequila, yeah, you know, yeah. so... Uh, if I um, don't be careful, if I'm not careful, it can be really dangerous, you know? <laughs> That's funny. I was just listening to a, a, a podcast yesterday um, with one of the owners of Quixotic uh, uh, in Paris that owns La Mary Celeste and um, Candelaria, and they have a lot of Gave spirits in, in Paris at those two bars. It's, it's funny. Gave is making some inroads into France. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we always get influence from America. Maybe five, ten years later than you, but... <laughs> we well, get some. well, it's obviously... It's a little easier for us to get agave where, you know, we share a border. So, despite... Uh, Fre French consumers were a big fan of whiskey many years ago. Sure. And now we are much more open on rum, vodka, tequilas. Hey, I'm, good, a, good I'm happy about the rum. That's quite fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> I never had a trouble getting a Tipanche when I was in uh, Paris last year, so... Yeah, it was a good rum from Martinique. Yes, Lovely. yeah, absolutely. Well, I needed those hangover cures. I didn't have any. You're not helping me out. <laughs> well, again, Baptiste, thank you for coming on the show, man. You're more like, than welcome. And uh, we're going to have to hit the Derby in a couple of years. Yeah, So deal. Until then, cheers. Thank you, cheers.